Go ahead and open up our Bibles today to Romans chapter 10. As we continue a series, Theology 101, and that is the study of God. And we come actually now to a section within the series in which we're stopping for a moment and we're studying the different names of God. Um, You know, I'm used to just teaching through the Bible, and so I just kind of got to let you guys know that it's kind of tough sometimes. I I, I just prefer teaching through the Bible, and we just got done, you know, doing 1 Peter. We've taught different books through the Bible. But when you study theology and when you study the history of Christianity, uh, you have what's called systematic theology. And all the fundamentals, all the doctrines um, are you know, found as we take the different scriptures throughout the Bible and we get the full counsel of God. And then we have you know, what we believe as Christians. And so you have pneumatology, which is a study of the Holy Spirit, or you have... You know, bibliology, which is the study of the Bible, or you have eschatology, which is the study of the last days, and, uh, you know, different things that are very important for us as Christians to understand, to have a good, you know, understanding of. Um, When I first got saved, I got involved in ministry, and then right away I went into the Bible school or the Bible college. You know, as time progressed, God allowed me to begin to study and to serve, and then He even allowed me to teach in the Bible college. And so um, it was a cool thing. I really felt like the Lord rooted me in the doctrines of the Bible because what ends up happening is if you don't really know what you believe and why you believe it, then you're open game to the enemy and he'll take you and he'll toss you to and fro. And so it's kind of cool to be able to bring this now even into the pulpit and to study systematic theology. And we're now studying that theology, which is the study of God. And to me, it's been, a, it's been a big blessing, although it's a challenge, although part of me, like I said, would rather teach straight through a book, and we are going to get back to that, you know. But, you know, it's because um, what it's done to me in my life is it's taken my eyes off myself and it's put my eyes where they belong. My eyes belong on the Lord, primarily on the Lord. You know, the Bible says to fix your eyes on Jesus. The, the Bible says in Psalm twenty-five, fifteen, my eyes are ever toward the Lord. You know, when you get your eyes only on yourself and your sins and, you know, your wins and your falls and failures and flaws, you know, you're, you're, you're going to stumble. Um, there is a place for self-examination, but it doesn't replace concentration on the Lord. And I think what ends up happening in our life is we, we look in at ourselves too, too much or our circumstances or others and we just get buried in all that. We get bombarded in all that. And what God wants us to do is to look up, to lift up our eyes unto the hills from whence our help comes, our help comes from the Lord. And when you discover how great God is, not how great you are, or how great He is, but how great God is, how wonderful He is, how awesome He is, how much He loves you, and what He's done, and how holy, and just on and on, then what ends up happening is you fall in love with Him, and when you fall in love with Him, then 
you do what you're supposed to do. You remember how it was for those of you who fell in love when you were young, when you did anything, you spent all your money on your girlfriend or whatever, and you know you do crazy things. And I like what Stephen Curtis Chapman said. He said, love's not love until it makes you do something crazy, right? <laughs> and for us as Christians, uh, there needs to be that renewal in our hearts, that fresh, crazy love for God. And so to me, it really has been a blessing to study God And even the names of God have really been awesome. You know, today we study a very important name. And it's actually a title. It's more of a title. And that is the title of Lord. Now, we hear it all the time. And we say it all the time. And if you read your Bible, you read it all the time. But um, I think that we don't live it all the time. As a matter of fact, I would say as a church, we don't live it most of the time. I think a lot of lips are empty. A lot of hearts, a lot of confessions, a lot of professions, a lot of Christians are are empty. When it comes to the Lord really being the Lord of our life. You know, Christianity is not real complicated. In the book of Acts chapter 2, it says with gladness and simplicity. They live their life. It's very simple. He's, he's the Lord. He's the Lord. And he tells us how to live. And when you do what he asks you to do, you, you get blessed. There's the joy. There's the gladness. And then the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so we're going to go over the title, Lord, today. And I pray that it would radically change your life. I pray that you would be more than it's probably been. I was talking to my son about this on the way over here today, and I said, you know, Lord, that word Lord, that title Lord, what do you think, Aaron? Um, It's kind of lost its cutting edge, huh? You know, it's not the Lord's fault. Obviously, it's our fault. I said, well, what do you think about the word boss, Aaron? And and he's like, well, no, nah, that's a little bit too, like, normal as well. And And then I said, I know what, master, huh? And he said, now you're talking, Dad, (laughs) Master. And we're going to talk about that today, how really when we say he's our Lord, what we're really saying is that he's he's the master of our life. You know, the name and title of God is Lord is one of the most important titles of truth that he possesses. And it's the most important title of truth that one expresses as a human being. You know, you go to work or whatever it is, you know, one of the first things you've got to establish is who's the boss, huh? You go and you're the, you know, next baseball player and now you're on the New York Yankees or whatever. And, and probably one of the first things you have to establish is who's the coach? Who's in charge? That's a very vital question for us in the church. It's, it's very important. I mean, who is the boss, who's in charge of your life. And a lot of times what I think happens in our life is we just kind of make all these gray areas. Everything is so ambiguous. It's not really objective. It's not really cut and dry as far as who really is the boss, who really is the coach, who really is the Lord of our life. And so I just pray that God by his spirit would show us who he is today And that today there would be a coronation within our heart once again as Jesus Christ is king of our life. 
You know, the dictionary defines Lord as one who has authority, control, or power over others, a master, a chief, a ruler. Now, one of the things I want to share with you as we get into Romans chapter 10, we're going to see this in just a second, is that, you know, when you become a Christian, by faith, you embrace Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And I think that by faith, we kind of see that, um, you know, whole thing work out. You know, by faith, I trust in the cross. I trust in his blood. None of us here will ever be good enough to earn our way into heaven. By faith, we trust him as Savior. All your sins were laid on him. He died for you. He suffered the punishment that we deserve, right? And by faith, we embrace that truth as the Lord is our Savior. But by faith, we also need to embrace him as Lord. And, and that does take faith. Are you going to trust your life in his hands? Are you going to love him enough? Are you going to believe in him enough? Are you going to trust in him enough to call, you, to call the shots? He tells you what to think. He tells you how to think. He tells you what to say and how to say it. He tells you what friends you can have, what relationships that can be established, what he wants you to do on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. By faith, you have to trust in him and believe that he has the best plan for your life. By faith. Sometimes things don't make sense and you're like, well, you know what, I would rather do it this way or you know what, this seems to be more the logical flow or more comfortable with this. But, you know, that's not living by faith because by faith, it's just following the Lord. And when you trust him, it's so cool. You got to know he's a great coach he's a great leader he's a great ruler he's a loving lord and that's why it's important for us to follow him you know it's with this light as him being the chief and ruler of our life that we accept the lordship of jesus christ it's vital for salvation You know, we don't normally like lords nowadays or or masters. I mean, slavery has been abolished, right? That's what we say. You know, we want to be the captain of our own ship, the caller of our own shots, the director of our own days, the leader of our own lives. But acknowledging and accepting and even embracing God as the Lord of our life is absolutely critical if you want life and that more abundant. If you want life in that more abundantly, you really have to accept him as Lord. As a matter of fact, it's kind of interesting when you read the Bible, God is Lord. We see it over and over again. You are Lord. He is Lord of all the earth. We're going to see that as we go through our study today. But then when you get into the new covenant, we find that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we read that here in Romans chapter 10. It says in verse 8, but what does it say? The, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so here in Romans 10, uh, speaking of the word uh, of the Old Testament now applied to the new covenant, he says that if you confess with your mouth the Lordship of Jesus, the Lord Jesus, 
and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. And so there's that confession that's made. Now, the thing is, and I think all of us know this, it's not just a sound, huh? It's not just a pronunciation. It's not just an articulation. It's a coronation. You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Luke 6.45 says, Out of the mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And there needs to be that final formal coronation. To confess the Lord Jesus with one's mouth is not just a mantra. It's not just like an abracadabra, hey, now heaven's open to me. It's actually a choice to crown Christ as king over your life. You know, and I'm so amazed at how many people just don't understand that. You know, we're, we're not our own. That's part of the salvation commitment that we made. You know, when you went forward, you know, you made a decision to follow Jesus. And I talk to husbands all the time. I talk to parents. I talk to kids. I mean, you guys know how it is in the church. And, and then just for some reason, they don't have an understanding of this basic Bible doctrine. When you made a commitment to Christ, you made a commitment to crown him as not only Savior, but, but as Lord. You see, it's very important. The Hebrew word Adon or Adonai or the Greek title Kyrios, they are all translated Lord and are able to refer to human, you know, masters, owners, sirs. But the difference is that now we're talking about the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The difference is when you look at the context of this being, it is speaking of God as Lord. And it moves into the area of overall deity and everyday practicality. Because we see when we study the Bible that he really is Lord of all. In Joshua chapter 3 verse 11, it says, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. See, he's the Lord, Joshua says, of all the earth. Although all don't accept his lordship, he is by his very fact of being maker and maintainer, the master by right. That's who he is. He is Lord. It's identification. We see in Acts chapter 10, if you want to go over there real quick, since we're not too far away. Look what it says in Acts chapter 10. In verse 36, it says, The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Joshua is talking about the Lord being the Lord of all the earth. Here we see the message in the book of Acts about Jesus being the Lord of all. That's his identification. That's who he is. And so looking at the lordship of the Lord, it's a title that teaches us that men have a master. I know we don't like to hear that nowadays. We have what's called cultural relativism. Homosexuality is okay. Why? Because I say so. Okay, question. Who are you? (laughs) Where were you when we laid the foundations of the earth? Were you there? No, it can't be cultural relativism. It's got to be the maker, the maintainer, the God of all mankind. See, that's who he is. The title Lord teaches us that men have a master. Humanity has a head. Girls and boys have a boss. It doesn't matter the ethnicity, nationality, geography, or history. He's Lord. 
And if you don't like that, you know, it's going to really hurt you as a Christian. Uh, and if you don't bow that knee as a non-Christian, you know, you're not going to make it to heaven. We saw that in Romans chapter 10. It says in the book of Philippians chapter 2, though, that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's very important. That's how important lordship is. But we don't really think about that too much, I think. You know, he's the Lord. That's who he is. Now, does that mean that all people on the planet acknowledge him as Lord? No, but, you know, they should. They really should. He's the Lord of all people. And he should be the Lord of all the parts of the people. You know, some say, well, the Lord told me to come to church today. And I think that's very cool that you obeyed him, you know. Um, But he has to have every area of your life, not just uh, Sunday mornings. How are you doing on Mondays? How about Saturday nights or Friday nights or, you know, late in the night when you're cranky? How you doing, man? Or when you're hungry or when the finances aren't really there or when things seem to be sinking? Is he still your Lord? You know, it's been said that either he's Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. You know, one of the weird things that I do, and it's kind of weird, but now as I'm growing as a Christian, maybe it's not as weird as I thought it was in the beginning. But, you know, one of the things I like to do is I like to wake up in the morning and I like to spend time with God. And I think it's important for us to do that. You know, uh, nutritionists tell us that the most important meal of the day is breakfast. Have you guys ever heard that? Okay, well, that's true physically and spiritually, I think, probably. Although some of you are saying, no, I'm not a morning person. Um, Hudson Taylor used to wake up at 5 o'clock every morning and he would take a cold bath, okay? And the reason is is because he woke up in the morning, he was tired and he wanted to spend time with the Lord and so he figured the way to wake up is to take a cold bath. Okay, so for most of us here, when when the alarm clock goes off in the morning and we're tired, what do we do? We stay in bed, huh? Next time do that, just say, okay, Hudson Taylor did it, I did it. I can do it. You get out of bed and go take a cold shower. Guess what? You won't be tired anymore. (laughs) You'll wake up and you'll do what God told you to do. I think a lot of times you talk to Christians and they say, yeah, God wants me to spend time with him. But then when you sit him down and, and and you're counseling with them, how's your devotional life? Or you can just talk to anybody. You know, God says, spend time with me. God says, I want you to spend time with me. I want you to pray. I want you to get into my word. I want to develop this intimate, personal relationship with you. I want to speak to you. I want to bless you. I want to lead your life. I want to give you what's called the divine details for your life, your destiny. I want to use you to bless others. God says, spend time with me. And you don't. Now, to me, there's just something wrong with that. God says, do that. You don't. God says, do that. You don't. It's like Jesus said in Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord when you don't do the things I say? God had a question. To him, it didn't make any sense. But not just spending time with him. Everything. Can you imagine being a slave? I I thank God that we don't kind of have that. But did a slave have rights? I mean, did a slave determine what time he wakes up in the morning? No, the master did. 
the slave didn't even determine what time he was to eat or how long he was to work or even how hard he was to work. Everything was dictated by the master. His whole life didn't have a day off. Now, thank God we don't have like, you know, brutal masters. Um, Thank God that I'm not your Lord and no spiritual leader is your Lord and, you know, no man is your Lord. Thank God he is your Lord. He's so loving. He's so wonderful. But he does have a plan for your life. He does have certain things that he wants you to do. You know, Jesus said in the Great Commission, um, go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the Father and Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. It's all about doing what the commander Christ has called us to do. It's written in his word. And by his spirit, he writes it in our hearts. He says to husbands, you know what? I think you should read the Bible with your wife. And so you do it. He says to husbands, I think you should pray with her. Not just when you're having chorizo con papas. I think you should pray with her like more frequently. Not just when you walk out the door. Not just when you go to bed at night. Not just when you're about to eat. But you set aside and sanctify time to pray with her. Because you're the leader. Well, she doesn't want to pray with me. You don't bring her to that point to make her want to pray with you. Show her love. And you just do what God's called you to do. Husbands, wives, parents, children. Simplicity, joy, strength. And so we wake up in the morning, we get the what I call marching orders. Or you get the to-do list. And yeah, I think you can get a to-do list from God. And he shows you what I want you to do. I want you to go and visit the old man over there. And he's sick and and he's lonely. And the Holy Spirit puts it on your heart to go visit him. Right? Have you ever had thoughts like that? Okay. And then the day unfolds and you don't do it. Okay? And then, you know, you wake up in the morning and the Lord tells you, I want you to go visit that man over there. He's sick and lonely. He needs encouragement. And then, you know, you don't do it. To me, that's not right. It doesn't make any sense. See, God gives us a to-do list and then we, we, we go and we obey Him. And it's, it's just very simple. And as you do that, you know, He leads you and He blesses you. you know, I remember reading a story. It was a kind of funny story about a little boy who was asked by his teacher um, what the difference is between the clergy and the laity. And the little boy thought about it. Hmm, the difference between the clergy and the laity. Okay, the clergy are those guys that get paid for being good. Okay? And the laity are the ones that are good for nothing. That's who they are. (laughs) And a lot of times I think we make a distinction between the clergy and the laity. And yeah, there is certain elements of responsibilities and things like that. But... You know, uh, we got to make sure that we don't have the concept that says, well, I can understand he's, you know, his Lord and, and her Lord. I mean, she's a teacher, he's a pastor, but he, you know, you want him to be my Lord? Yeah, your Lord. When Thomas saw who Jesus was, John twenty twenty eight, he said, my Lord and my God. 
And that's the way it needs to be in our life. You see, he's not just the Lord or their Lord or his Lord or her Lord or even our Lord. The question we all have to ask today is, is he my Lord? You know, if so, I think your life will show it. You will suffer the loss of what? Your will. And I hesitated to bring up that song. What's her name? Carrie Underwood or Corey Underwood, you know? You know, and I don't really know all the details of it, but she says, Jesus, take the will. You know, Jesus, take the will. And she's thinking of the will, steering will. I'm thinking of the will, W-I-L-L. Take the will. It's that, it's that deep. It's that simple. It's that, you know, important. You know, you can live your own life or you can live the life that he's called you to live. You got to obey. You know, sometimes it's the end of that friend who's really not a friend. You know, decisions like that. Sometimes in order to hold your integrity, you must suffer physically or financially or emotionally. And somehow, some way, you obediently let the Lord be the Lord. And you just do what's right. When all you want to do is do what's wrong, you want to run away and walk away or slip away or fly off the handle, have a beer, smoke a cigarette, take a shortcut, get high, fall asleep, give up, stay home, whatever it is, and you just can't. Why? Because... He's the Lord. And we suffer the loss of our will whenever it conflicts with his will. And you're always constantly checking on that. You know, Christians say, I prayed about it, I prayed about it, I prayed about it. And then they just go and do whatever they want. That's not the way it works. You pray about it until you hear an answer. Right? I mean, doesn't that make sense? You know, if my son comes to me and says, hey, dad, I like a grand piano. I say, get out of town. That's a lot of money, you know. But if I don't say anything, do you think he's going to say, well, silence means that he says, yes, I'm so excited. And so he goes and he's old enough to draw on my account. And maybe I'm an old guy by then or whatever, you know, and he goes and buys a grand piano. I, I never told you you could. Yeah, but dad, you didn't say anything. Right, I didn't say anything. I mean, especially when it comes to big decisions, especially I mean, thank God we have the principles of his word. But when you pray about things, especially big decisions, make sure he answers you before you go and you do what you want to do. See, it's important. That's the way life is for us when we do things God's way. You know, there's a real cool illustration of this. If you go back to Exodus chapter 21, And many of you, I think, are familiar with this. It says in verse 2, If you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh year he shall go out free and pay nothing. If he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master has given him a wife and she has borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. But if the servant plainly says, and I like that, he just plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children. I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to the judges. He shall also bring him to the door, to the doorposts. And his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. The old is in the new the Bible says the old is in the new, or theologians tell us the old is in the new revealed, the new is in the old concealed. 
When you read in the New Testament about Paul being a bondservant, Peter being a bondservant, this is what they're talking about. Exodus 21, Deuteronomy 15, we see basically the same thing. And what it is is this, you guys, that, you know, the civil law was given to Israel and they said, okay, if you have a Jewish uh, brother who, you know, finds himself in that situation where he has to come and he works for you as a slave, he, you know, it could only be for six years. Okay, then after six years, he's free. He's free. But if after six years, he says, you know what, I love my master. He plainly says, I love him. And there he mentions the wife and the kids and giving kind of a neat example there. He says, what he can do is he can go down to the judges, the city gates, and they can make a final formal commitment that you would be his servant forever. What they would do is they would take and they would pierce the ear. And you know, there's just a really beautiful illustration of the way life is for us. You know what, you guys? You're free. You're free. God didn't make you as robots. You know, sometimes I wish he would have. Sometimes I wish, I I said, Lord, I wish I were just a robot, you know. It'd be so much easier. God didn't make you as a puppet. You're free. If you want to, you can go get high, you can go get drunk, you can go sleep around. You can be abusive to your wife or you can put whatever you want inside your heart. You can watch crazy things and listen to garbage and eat garbage. Um, You can just go do whatever you want. You're free, huh? But if you want to serve the Lord, if you recognize the love that he has and the calling that he has in your life, if you recognize that blessedness of being under his leadership, then there needs to be a commitment that takes place, final and formal, that will radically change your life, that will, you know, allow him to call the shots, and it will make you a bondservant forever. It's kind of interesting how he mentions the wife and the and the kids right here. And I just think that that's not random. I think that it's kind of Interesting in that under his uh, leadership, God blesses him with a family, you know, and I think about it and Shelly, you know, her favorite verse is how a wife is a gift to her husband, things like that, you know, but I think that it's so cool the way the Lord blesses families, you know, he's the one that's given me my wife, he's the one that's blessed me in this life. And, you know, I think it's also amazing to me how it takes and it says right there that they pierce his ear. You know, that all that goes through the ear. Now, you know, there's a couple of things in that. Number one, it makes it public. You know, he's not ashamed. He's not a secret agent Christian or whatever, you know, undercover. It's public, right? But number two, it's the ear. You know, and if you think about it, they could have pierced the nose. They probably could have pierced the lip. Nowadays, they pierce, you know, every body part you can think of, right? God could have did that, but he pierced the ear. Why? Why did they pierce the ear? To listen. To listen to the Lord. And I think that right there is one of the most important things for us as Christians because we're so busy doing so many things, sometimes even Christian events, ministries, you name it, and we are not listening. How can he be the Lord and leader of our life if we're not really listening? 
And so part of that covenant was what? This bondservant taking his ear and giving it to the Lord. You see, I think the way it works is this. Number one, identification. He is Lord of all. Question is, is he Lord of your life? And then number two, I like to put these two words together, declaration and coronation. See, it can't just be words, but it must be words. It's got to be heart as well. And when we have what's called the declaration and the coronation, then we just kind of come to that point in our life, you know, nothing emotional necessarily. It doesn't have to be fancy. It just has to be real. That God, you know, you're the Lord of my life. He calls the shots. If he asks you to eat pizza, you're like, cool, I like pizza. Yeah, I'll do it, you know. But if he asks you to do something you don't want to do, now there's a test of lordship. You see, and that's where the rubber meets the road. You know, I've talked to some people who told me straight, straight out, I don't want to come to this church. But the Lord has told me I got to come, so I'm going to come. Now, I have mixed emotions on that, to be honest with you. <laughs> but the cool thing is this, is that, you know what? The main thing is what? We follow the Lord. That we, we do what he calls us to do. Every contemplation, every declaration, every obligation, every recreation, every occupation, everything gets surrendered to him. And as we do that, I think it's so cool what ends up happening. You know, when Paul the Apostle, or he was known as Saul, when he got saved, you know the first thing he did? He said, Lord, what would you have me to do? And that right there never changed in his life. And it should never change in our life. And that's the way it should be. You know, we start with identification. He's Lord, let him be my Lord. That moves on to declaration and coronation. That on your heart, there's a throne who sits there. It's got to be him. But then we close today with inspiration. I got to take you over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And there's an important verse here. In verse 1, Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, when Paul is writing to the Corinthians, they're a very carnal church. Uh, They had come out of, man, just a crazy lifestyle. And, um, you know, they, man, were engaged in so many evil and wicked ways. And one of the things that was just absolutely vital, and we see it um, not only then but even now, is that the work that would take place would really be a work of the Spirit of God. You know, when he's talking right here, he's not talking about, again, articulation and pronunciation. Let's see, can you say Jesus is Lord? Let's see, say it, say it. You know, (laughs) it's not just words coming out of your mouth. What it is is words coming out of your heart. See, maybe there's some of you here today and you're like, you know what, I, I wanted this or I want this, but... 
It's just not happening. You know, and I don't know. Maybe you don't really want it. Maybe you do. That's between you and the Lord. But I do want to encourage you with this, and that is that unless it's the power of the Spirit of God working in your life, it's not going to happen. You see, because what we're talking about here is, you know, taming a lion. You know, we saw a special the other day about, you know, how they tame bears. And, oh, man, it was crazy. Uh, we saw one bear being tamed actually kill the tamer. So it was kind of kind of crazy, you know. And you thought, you know, bears were hard to, to control. And you're probably thinking lions are hard to control. No offense, but you want to know something? You're, you're more difficult. Because <laughs> we are wicked. We have an evil inclination within us, so many things, visible and invisible. And the only way that we can say, Jesus is Lord, to rule my life, to own my life, to have authority over my thoughts and my words and my decisions and my days is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, well, how does that work? Well, I know one of the things the Lord's really doing in my life and I think he's doing here in the church is he's bringing us to that point of just praying, praying for the power of the Holy Spirit, surrendering to the power of the Holy Spirit, yielding to that relationship with God and just really coming to that point of acknowledging and saying, Lord, you know, I, I can't, I can't do it. And so, Lord, I need you to be my strength. You know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, it says, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. And the reason I like that verse is because a lot of people say, I love the Lord. Oh, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And do you really? So I like to kind of say, Lord, I will love you. It's something that I I'm, I'm, I'm just want to be there. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. That as the Lord is our strength, that as the Lord is our leader, that as the Holy Spirit is the one. And, you know, I'm not whipping it into you and you're not whipping it into yourself. But we're opening up to God and we're saying, God, take over. Lord, you be the one. Then it's so cool because then he comes in and he does the work. You know, I was talking the other night, Thursday night, about how, you know, Christians can face things. And if you want to, you can fight. You know, I don't know if you've ever been there. Has your spouse ever said something to you that got you mad? Has that ever happened to any of you here? <laughs> you know, and then right away, boom, man, you get like this ugly feeling inside. But what do you do? You bite your tongue, right? You're like, mm, I'm not going to say anything. And you turn around and you go the other way. Okay, that's cool. You know, that's kind of a victory in, in one sense, okay? But God doesn't want you to bite your tongue. God wants you to speak in tongues. God doesn't want it just to be a fight. I'm fighting myself. And yeah, there's an element of that that's true. But when you begin to mature, he wants it to be more of a flow where just they squeeze you and love comes out. They squeeze you and grace comes out and wisdom comes out and, and the character of God comes out. You see, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. And so I want to point you to the Lord today. You know, yesterday I was counseling with a couple and I told them, remember this, the help of man is useless. And they're like, then why am I here? 
And I said, because I'm going to give you the word, I'm going to point you to him. And if you want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, then I want to point you to him today once again. And I want you to pray like you've never prayed before. I think you should. Luke chapter 11, you keep on seeking, you keep on asking, you keep on knocking. You keep on realizing that without him, you can't do it. You see, it's not going to be by determination. It's going to be by dependence. And as we depend upon him, then he will call the shots once again. And so, Lord, we thank you for loving us the way that you do, Lord God. I thank you so much for your beautiful people that are here today. Lord, your word is very simple to um, acknowledge the fact, not just face, but embrace you as the Lord of our life and then to go out and to do the things you've called us to do, Lord. Bless my brothers and sisters here today, Lord, and with that joy. And Father, I pray that you would continue to be the one Lord, to empower us, Lord God. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's not by my will or my ways. It's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And so, Lord, I pray your spirit would fall on us. Lord, I pray that today you would encourage us to obey you, to live a life that would bring you glory and honor. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.